Well, well, well. Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA Podcast, the show where those two guys that have, you know, maybe feelings for one another talk about MMA. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, Dominic, the man on my right, we, less than 24 hours ago, were in the great state of Ohio for one UFC Columbus. Yep, the shirt. Rocking, I love that shirt. I wish they made it for guys my size, but <laughs> headlined by Chris Dawkins and Curtis Blades, Dominic. I mean, it was our first time at a UFC event since 2016 for UFC oh. 203. Oh. Five and a half years, way too long. I, I would, I would be very upset if it takes me another five and a half years oh. to go to a UFC event. Oh. I guess off the top, I'm just gonna go ahead and put it out there. That we are in the middle of creating a vlog yes. for our trip. Dominic has been working really hard on the editing side of that. Me and him both recorded a lot of footage while we were on our way, while in the arena, mm-hmm. and then on our way out and everything. So we tried to get as much as we could. Just tried to, you know, put you guys in like our shoes and the lead up to the event. Kind yeah. of what was going through our head and ultimately some of our immediate thoughts in the aftermath and whatnot. Um, that will be coming out Friday, right, Dom? Yep, yeah, no episode this Friday because there's no fights, but we got the vlog coming. Yeah, so the vlog will be coming, um, but we're going to save, I guess, maybe a, some of our, you know, thoughts on the event for that, but Dominic, just before we get into it, you know, if you want to give a little piece about how you felt about being in Columbus for UFC Fight Night. Yeah, it was fantastic. I had never been to a nationwide arena there in Columbus. Uh, They have this kind of arena district, quote-unquote. They have very nice area, plenty of restaurants, plenty of bars, real nice atmosphere. Uh, And the the best part, man, is simply just the group that we had, you know, old friends, new friends. Uh, My dad was able to participate, and it was just – it was cool having everybody together for – I mean, it was a 12-hour day, you know, essentially, of just being with one another, watching the fights, having a blast – uh, drinks, food, the the VIP event, the hospitality, the customer service was top tier, top notch. We got to meet uh, great fighters. Again, we might touch on it here a little, but definitely going to be in the vlog. But it was just top to bottom. Such a perfect night. Wouldn't change anything about it. Uh, great trip, great fights. And like you said, if we have to wait another five and a half years, <laughs> I'm going to be crying. Yeah, the value of our – so our tickets were $400. Just And there's a point to this, not – throwing around how much right. money we're we being transparent yeah but they were vip and we didn't know what to expect we didn't know what this hospitality event they're very uh to be honest they're pretty uh they don't really reveal much about what you get like in specifics you know yes and i would argue that they probably should be put, put a little more out there just because i think it would convince more people to do it mm-hmm and basically, guys, I mean, I'm not going to say maybe not every I, I put it up, put this as a disclaimer. I'm not sure if every VIP event is like this, but we were at the pub in uh, Nationwide Arena, unlimited food, drink, beer, yeah. mixed drinks, anything you could think of from three o'clock to seven p.m. Yep. Uh, so basically before the paper or before the main card started, you had like unlimited access to all this so the ticket that we had, the seat, if we would have got it without all the VIP, was worth around 80 bucks. Mm-hmm. So basically, 
you had to make up that three hundred and twenty dollars and other value. Right. We had ours, but we had an entrance specifically for us, so we got right in. Yeah. Didn't have to wait in these long lines with uh, everybody else. Um, we had you know all that at the hospitality event. Um, we got to meet Stipe Miocic. I do. I Dominic literally threw it out there to me as like kind of a joke, but like yeah. maybe hopeful. He's like, yeah. what if we meet Stipe? He's from Ohio, and I told right. I shot dom down i was yeah. like no way because yeah. i just you know they they acted like you could meet fighters mm-hmm. but it didn't again i would have figured for something like this he would be promoted <laughs> yeah yeah and then not to mention cody garbrandt former ufc bantamweight champion also there second AJ time dobson yeah yep second time meeting him and aj dobson yeah who's like a, he's zero and one in the ufc but a guy who i think has some potential from ohio yeah was on the contender series so uh, i mean uh, to me it was well worth the price and i yes. would do it again if nationwide arena would make slightly bigger seats for that section but ultimately it was completely worth it yes. um such a great time you know, I was wondering if I, you know, UFC 203 was an unbelievable atmosphere and it was yeah. a pay-per-view. So we really went big for our first time. So I was wondering if this would kind of pale in comparison, but I think it lived completely up to it. Oh, yeah. Worth every penny, man, it was. Yeah. So let's get into that main event of UFC Columbus. Curtis Blades doesn't attempt a single takedown and gets the TKO win over Chris Dawkins. 17 seconds into round two. So, Dominic, Curtis Blades, we we said this might have been his last chance and that he really needed to show us something here. <laughs> well, was this the performance you were looking for out of Curtis Blades? And ultimately, how much, if so, I guess, how much did this performance really improve his stock for the future, you think, with the company? I think it was a big one. I think he needed this. You know, we were saying, or I know I said that if he lost, you know, this could definitely, he's out of the title picture. You, Matt, I said he might be cut. Yeah, you took it a step further. So uh, he came out here. He proved uh, a lot of people wrong. I didn't really know how this fight was going to go, but I didn't expect this. I didn't, you know, Curtis has shown, like in the Derek Lewis fight, he he uh, was striking with him, but then he went for the takedown, got knocked out. But then against Rosenstroik, who went back to just wrestling again, maybe he just, I don't know, he didn't want to strike at all with him. So then he comes in here, and he kind of implements the game plan he had in round one against Lewis, where he was striking back and forth with Dawkins. Uh, and he had good shots in the first round, too. So he, honestly, to me, just shows that he's working on that striking because he knows the grappling's there, and especially at heavyweight, when you don't have to be some ace, um, he, he is so far ahead. I mean, 62 takedowns, he's like far above the second place person for heavyweight takedown so now that his striking it looks like it's starting to catch up man i mean he looks crisp and clean the power's there uh this is big time for curtis blades still only 31 years old he's won two in a row Noah, it's crazy but he, he could be in the circumstance again where he is at one more fight and if he can win he can get to the title but can he win it because when he's been there before he still hasn't gotten it done but this version we're seeing of curtis blades he might be able to get there. I love this performance from Curtis Blades. He's been called just the wrestler for a long time, mm-hmm. been called boring. He's even kind of doubled down at times. Like I remember when he had that really boring but dominant win over Alexander Volkov. He sort of uh, leaned into being kind of almost like in a heelish way. Yep. When fans you know, came after him about the performance, he kind of said, 
I'm going to do that. He's like, I'll do that for 25 minutes. I don't care if you like it or not. Yeah. But I guess that maybe that wasn't completely true because then you see here, like, he kind of wanted to prove a point. And he he did. said, what can you say now? He said, I did that. Yep. They were expecting a takedown, and I went through hands. Yeah, against so, a great boxer. And you know, and everybody knows that if he really wanted to, he probably still could have got that fight to the ground yeah. and won the fight that way. So it was a statement win for sure at the expense of Chris Dawkins. And I guess I have a hard time, though, being able to – also say while while wanting to shred a lot or uh, shed a lot of praise here for Blades, I also have to admit that I still don't know how much ground he's made up with the company or mm-hmm. ultimately the title picture because right now heavyweight's in a good place, but I guess that also means that it's at Curtis Blades' expense potentially because there's about six guys in the mix, not including yeah. the champion in Ganu. You've got Surreal Gan, you have Stipe. Mm-hmm. You have Tom Aspinall, Ty Tuivasa, uh, Curtis Blades now in here. Um, John Jones <laughs> is still lingering yep. around. What a loaded title picture this Crazy. is at this point. I mean, we just talked a week ago about Tom Aspinall, Ty Tuivasa yeah. being a potential interim title fight, and they're two of the lesser names than of those guys we just mentioned. Two yep. of the least experienced, maybe, is the better way to put it. So... I don't think he's – he called for a title shot. Don't think he's going to get it. He called for an interim title shot he's against gone. Surreal Gone. Yeah. Interesting call out. I would love to see that fight. Actually, I think that might be the next matchup he gets is Surreal Gone. I think Gun. so too. Yeah. In a five-round main event, I think that would be fantastic. Really have to test Surreal Gone's wrestling defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but – I don't think it'll be for a title. Do you disagree, or are you on the same page? That's a good question, man. It's there's so much in the up in the air that I don't know. Like, because it seems like the front runner for an interim title, if you think in the company's mind, would probably be Stipe and John. Like as their front runner, if we can do one, that's the one, right? Yeah. But if basically, that, if they if they could no, money aside, yes. that would be who they'd pick. But if if that like say John doesn't come back or. I don't know. Let's say that doesn't happen. Then you've got a mixture of people. You could do gone to Ivasa, gone Aspinall to Ivasa, Aspinall, Curtis blades versus either three of those guys. Like there's so many combinations. It's like those math problems back in the day where it's like, how many combinations can you do with these oranges, apples and bananas? That's what it feels (laughs) like right now for that interim title, because it is going to happen this year. There's no doubt in my mind that they're going to implement it because of the surgery that Nganu's going through. I do think Blades and Gone make sense. I think that should be next. I can't go out and say it'll be for the interim title. Yes or yeah. no? I can't. I don't know. Uh, to me, I, I would say no. I, I'm you pretty firm. No. And this is not that I don't think it, it wouldn't be worthy of that placement. It's just I look at and I, I could be underestimating how the UFC might view. I mean, they made Curtis Blades feel like a pretty big deal here in the main yeah. event, in the arena. Yes. But I also think that's kind of their job but i think in terms of the people making these decisions dana and the boys as i like to call them um i feel like out of those six guys i just named i think number six is curtis blades so so do you think so you want to see gone blades so say that's what is what they do and it say it's not for the interim title do you think like that aspinall and tui vasa still makes more sense for the interim belt then Compared so, to John so, so the two matchups that you just mentioned, I would say 
pro I would probably say I don't want to go all the way with it because I haven't mm-hmm. thought about it long enough. Mm-hmm. Blades and 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 uh, Gone would be the more deserving of having mm-hmm. an interim belt, but I think that Aspinall to Ibasa would be the one that would get it. Yeah, that's, both yeah. guys riding a wave of momentum right now. Yeah. They're the future of your division. Why not give one of them that shine now, even if they ultimately come up short against Nganu? They've been elevated mm-hmm. to a point where they're going to last quite a while in the picture. Now, uh, Blades is just, he might be just damaged goods in the UFC's eyes. He's lost twice to the champion, Francis Nganu. What kind of market will there be for yeah. a third title fight? Now, the second one was the main event in a card in China that was airing at like 6 in the morning. I don't think many people in America watched that, so maybe you could sell a third fight, but it's hard. And then you have Derek Lewis, who, I I mean, really, Derek Lewis is still kind of in there, but he's, you know, after the loss to Tuibasa, he's a little bit removed. But he has that win over Curtis Blades. So Blades is just, his his losses have been in such emphatic fashion that they hold him back, but... Really, he's just got to put his head down and keep winning. I mean, a win over Gone says a lot. Oh, it does. I mean, I, I think a win over Gone in your – again, we don't know who the champion will be to start the year. Who knows if Ngannou's ever going to fight for the UFC again. But, I mean, Blades will be probably in the driver's seat at that point. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought he was could potentially cut with the loss here, and instead I'm considering <laughs> putting him in a title fight. Yeah. Could not have been a better night for Curtis Blades. Yeah, please let us know comments and social media. Like, what, what do you guys you, think of this yeah. title picture? What is Blades what do you do? What do you want to be next for Curtis Blades? Yes, exactly. And now, Dominic, before we move on, we got to talk about Chris Dawkins just a we little do. bit because this is back to back main events for him, and ultimately back to back knockout losses. Mm-hmm. I saw. I was watching the post show on MMA Fighting's YouTube channel. Um, I don't watch those guys a lot, but they're good, so mm-hmm. check them out. But they were uh, throwing around this idea because uh, Chris Dawkins is kind of an undersized heavyweight. He's only two hundred and forty pounds, and it, he wears it a little bit. Like, yeah, he's not. Yeah, Chris Blades is just a huge built guy. Yeah, he's big. Chris Dawkins has a little bit of flab, a little flab on him, you know. Yeah. So they were throwing around this idea of him going down to two hundred and five pounds. Ooh. Now I, <laughs> I don't really. Th- know if i like that because i kind of like what Dawkus brings as an undersized heavyweight yeah he's a lot faster than on some of these guys he's got really good hand speed um but back-to-back losses via tko maybe he just can't quite take those big shots against the power of these guys that are 260 pounds outweighing him yeah by 15 20 pounds that's that's interesting I think he for this fight he was two forty three, yeah. So we're talking thirty seven pounds if you get to two oh six, but it, I mean maybe he could cut like some of that just like you know the flub as you put it all. Well, it, they say it's it would, a lot easier to cut the weight that way. I mean know? think about it like this, Dom. It would probably be him like naturally dieting down to like two thirty, and then he's probably cutting. 25 pounds and he he looks like a guy that could get like super like i feel like he could have a steep hay body like if you yeah. look at him it looks like he has kind of that same build uh that's that's interesting i don't want to necessarily go out and say now because i didn't think he should have been fighting curtis blades after losing to Derek lewis i i agree i thought that was a weird 
uh, matchup. I respected him because if he came in and won, then he launched himself right back in after the loss to Derek Lewis. But especially because, but I didn't like it going in hindsight. I definitely don't like it. Cause it was like, if you already lost to, I think he was number three at the time. Why do we, we kind of just rewarded him again and put him back in with another top five. You don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see him try back in top 15, you know, let's see if he can get a win at heavyweight, see how he looks next especially like on the feed if he has to go through any more adversity. But if we're talking another loss, especially if it's by KOTKO, maybe like that is a very interesting topic to at least keep front of mind moving forward for Dawkins' career. I think there's potential there for him. I mean, he's 32 mm-hmm. and he just, he does have an interesting fight style. So I'm not giving up on heavyweight Dawkins, but light heavyweight is interesting to think about. Yeah. It's not something I've considered before. It's just once it was brought up, I was like, Hmm. Yeah. Like, I guess I didn't realize he was that undersized until I saw him up against Curtis Blades, and you can kind of just tell yeah. uh, the size difference there. Now, a potential matchup I could see being next for him uh, next weekend, or not next weekend, UFC 273, two weekends from now, has a pretty interesting heavyweight matchup on the prelims. How about the winner of Rosenstroik Tibura? Yeah, uh, I think that could be interesting, or even the loser of that fight, maybe. Since Either or. Like the matchup, yeah. winners and winners and losers and losers, that would kind of fit the bill. Yep. Um, Dawkins still has a lot of potential. I mean, this guy just prior to December of 2021, it was kind of this debate of if him or Tom Aspinall was the the real future of the heavyweight division. Yep. For now, we seem to have our answer, but that doesn't mean that Dawkins is like not it, he doesn't mean that Dawkins can't eventually get right back to where he was at that time as far as momentum it was just it was a pretty bad loss I, I'll, I'll admit that but um, he's still young enough and fresh enough in this division there's a lot of fresh matchups around yeah. that he he can bounce back it's just probably take him out of the main event scene for a while out of this mm-hmm. top five yes. area for a while let him try to work on some of the kinks and get back there as a much better fighter yep i agree uh not the co-main event but this this fight dominic was the show stealer in my opinion it was was fun kai car of france a big underdog on this card he gets the win and not only wins the fight via unanimous decision over askar askarov giving askarov his first loss of his professional mma career but Dominic, he also won the hearts of the fans there in Columbus, Ohio. Yes. This, between the two events I've been to, UFC 203 and then Fight Night here in Columbus, outside of Stipe in Cleveland, this was the biggest fan reaction I heard across both shows for Kai Car France when they announced him as the winner. He looked like an absolute star here on this show. This guy is the is a breath of fresh air for that flyweight division that's already been given a ton of life. Yes. Davidson Figueredo, Brandon Moreno. I mean, Askarov has been one of those guys. Yeah. You know, you have Brandon Roy Val, who beat Kaikar France a year ago. So these guys, again, people that that overlook this UFC flyweight division Wake need up. to stop. And you know what? I overlooked in 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 a sense. I said this matchup. When when we lost our main event, that was originally Blahovich and Rakich. Mm-hmm. This was the second biggest fight on the card, and I said I don't think it can be a five round main event. Mm-hmm. I wish this fight was five rounds. After watching it, two yeah. more rounds of that would have been fantastic. 
Yeah. Fight of the year discussion, potentially. Yeah. But as it stands, it was a great fight, a great win, the biggest win of Car France's career. And Dominic, the only question I really have for you here is, is Kai Car France next for the winner of the fourth fight between Davison and Brandon Moreno? Well, hold that thought, Noah, because if you checked Twitter, Mr. Davison Figueredo said, Hey, Moreno, <laughs> step aside because I want to fight Kai Car France yeah. next for a title defense. And he added Dana White in the UFC. And Kai said, send the contract over. Um, UFC, please don't. I need to see that fight a fourth time. Please don't. But, yes, Kai earned a title shot after that win. A three-fight win streak, two knockouts prior to that. Giving Askar Askarov his first loss. Defended takedowns really well, by the way. Like yep. Even in the first round, I know Askar had his back a lot. But no one else, I don't think, doesn't go down. But Kai, I, I have to give him a lot of credit because yes. you know I've always criticized him for his takedown yes. defense. Yes. And it looked that you will never hear me give that as a as a negative on him again because he was so much improved there here. Yeah, and to do it against a next level grappler, because he Askar is that next level for this hundred twenty five pound division. What an impressive performance by Kai. Went balls to the wall the second round he came out guns blazing the third round was sick uh and you know when you the the momentum and the crowd was all he did the ohio chant i mean this dude's from new zealand by the way that's why it's in the headline there but people loved him and he fed into that crowd and you know shoot if the ufc headlines in ohio again kai car france might be the main event but yes that is a title earning performance if i've ever seen one at flyweight i i don't agree with davison I thought that was weird. I think the saga, quote-unquote, between him and Moreno is something we've never seen before. Quite literally, there's never been four fights between two guys in the UFC. It's one, one, and one. That fight has to happen a fourth time. Kai gets the winner. That's how it should be. Yeah, I think Davison, it might be a bit of uh, Waleed Ishmael as well. That's mm-hmm. kind of guiding things. You know, they those guys, they're a lot of fun together. And yeah. part of that is that they sort of <laughs> – it's a little cringy, cause, but they lean into being kind of heelish in this uh, this rivalry with Brandon Moreno. So I think it's just mind games that they're trying to play. Um, I don't think the UFC will surpass that fourth fight. Ariel Hawani reported yeah. that that's the direction the UFC are already – they were already planning to move that way before this card happened. Yeah. Could they take another look at it after the reception Car France got? Maybe. But I don't, I just don't see why you don't do that fight in July, and then Car France gets the winner of that fight, anyways. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. That's how it, like, that's what it should. To be. me, like I, I would like to see Davison and Moreno fight before the fall, and that's what you're looking at if you make Davison wait and fight Car France, who's coming off of a three round war here with Askarov. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think this this was a title fight earning performance, but. When you have a fight and waiting, you know it's just gonna he's just gonna wait. I think, and that's that's yeah. the way it should be. Um, God, I was just so impressed with the reception he got. I mean, he really he felt like an Ohio guy here. Yes, he, even he did. Gave the OH chan. People went nuts. Yes. Um, for Askar Askarov, it's a tough loss. I mean, it's the first loss of your career for a guy who some felt should have already gotten a title fight by this point. And he loses here. Gonna kind of take a step back. But I, I definitely think um, a big fight's ahead for him. And Dominic, I'm going to actually throw this matchup out here that I gave to you last night. Um, it's a, it's one that a lot of people may not like. 
It's one that I might get criticized for putting out there. But I'm try it's a mixture of what I would be interested in seeing and also what I think the UFC would be interested in making here. So keep that in mind. I think Askar Askarov versus Cody Garbrandt makes a lot of sense. It's it's a now, fascinating matchup. Cody Garbrandt, when we met him, uh, you can do with this what you will. I mean, I'm just a fan meeting this guy. We're breaking news <laughs> right here. Maybe I shouldn't undersell it, or maybe I should. I don't know. But when I met when when I, when I, he was signing uh, my lanyard for me, I was like, Cody, uh, when do you think you'll be back in the octagon? And he said, I'll be fighting in July. So, you know, he's looking to come back here in a couple months. And he didn't say, I wish I would have asked him, flyweight or bantamweight. But yeah. I feel like once I did that, he'd be like, wait a minute, you're a reporter? What are you yeah. Doing here? <laughs> yeah. But, um, I could see him doing either way. I could see him kind of cutting his losses, going back to Bantamweight, saying, well, that didn't work. Or I could see him, he, he's still, up until the loss, I mean, he was doubling down on how great he felt making that cut. So if that, if that's to be believed, maybe you do get a, another fight at flyweight. And the UFC still view Cody Garbrandt very highly, as they should. He's a former champion. Yes, he's been on a really tough skid. And if you're a Cody Garbrandt fan, maybe you hope that he doesn't get such a highly ranked guy next. You want him to maybe take a step back. Askar Askarov is is guy. I mean, here he did land some good shots on Car France, but he's mostly a very good wrestler. And Cody Garbrandt has really never fought. And you said this in the car, so I'll give you credit because I know you're about no, to you're good. say it. But Cody Garbrandt's really never fought like a great wrestler. Like TJ Dillashaw is a really good wrestler, but. TJ Dillashaw didn't use his wrestling in that fight because he's so well-rounded. Yeah. Uh, he's fought guys with good wrestling. That's just It's never been like something used against him. Yep. I would love to see how that how that matchup would play out. Mm-hmm. And Cody Garbrandt would have kind of the advantage he, Carl France had here, the power in his hands. But again, could Cody Garbrandt have the takedown defense to stay on his feet? Could he get knocked out by Askar Askarov? I mean, those are... Questions that need to be asked. If this fight were to go, let's say it's a five-round main event, just hypothetically it probably wouldn't be, uh, especially if it's in July. But uh, let's say it's a five-round main event. How does Cody's gas tank hold up over five rounds? Because he seemed to get a little bit gassed against Rob Font a year ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a very intriguing matchup. It may not completely make sense rankings-wise where these two are in their career. Cody coming off a loss to Kai probably shouldn't be fighting a guy who's right there with them again. But the UFC, I think, are, you know, they they think Cody Garbrandt's a real nice guy to have in that division that lacks a lot of star power. That's the matchup I would go with. Yep, I like it. Uh, let's move on to 1X. More on UFC Columbus later in the show. But there was another event this weekend, Dom. Straight out, straight out of Singapore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, unfortunately, due to... Uh, the crazy weekend it was, it was kind of hard to catch this card for us because Saturday, it, it started midnight or 1 a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah. And went till the main card started at 8 a.m. Um, a lot going on. I was able to catch it. I caught the, the, the main card, I should mm-hmm. say. Wasn't able to watch any of the prelims. So really there's three fights to talk about. But we're going to start with the main event here, or the co-main event. But the biggest fight of the weekend, we said. And did it live up? 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, I was I was a bit skeptical of how this would work, Dom. This flyweight freestyle between mm-hmm. Demetrius Johnson and Raw Tang. Two rounds Muay Thai, two rounds MMA. I thought it could be a clusterfuck or maybe it would just be a real breath of fresh air to yeah. MMA and a lot of fun and something maybe one should consider doing in the future. I would say it was more of the latter than the former. Mm-hmm. And, and um, you know, the first round was Muay Thai. Rod Tank definitely got the better of that round, as you would expect. Mighty Mouse held his own. Round two, though, Mighty Mouse went for the fucking kill. And, yeah. Uh, Got the back, just had the fight. There was a hand fight for a couple minutes. Gets the submission win. It was a great moment for Mighty Mouse, man. This is a guy who's a legend of the sport. Never quite gotten the credit he deserves, but here Not he was. Here he was a a a representative of the entire sport, going up against the Muay Thai representative of Rod Tang, and he looked phenomenal. Coming off that loss to Marais, where he got knocked out, maybe some people thought, oh, you know paused a little bit mm-hmm. is is the is the best days of mighty mouse behind him i don't think so guys i really don't um i think with this win and considering adriano Moraes also won i'd love to see them run that fight back um i know my, demetrius just seems to be wanting a lot of fun fights he said he'd love to do stuff like this more often yeah but truthfully i would love to see demetrius johnson get another crack at adriano Moraes for that flyweight title what do you think, Dom? It, it feels like one would like to move in that direction. I still feel like they would want to have Demetrius as a champion for them, if at all possible. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And it would be a big rematch, especially, like you said, Marais defended his title, got a, a, a finish of his own. So, yeah. uh, you know, and Demetrius beating a Muay Thai, one of the best ever in the sports history and Rod Ting, uh, uh is impressive. And then he goes back to the bread and butter in round two to get the submission. I think there's that's a sellable fight i know they don't always do pay-per-views like this one but uh that would be a big fight and if they want demetrius to be back in the limelight after having this big fight why not give him a belt next or a fight for the belt yeah um i'm and again we're still pretty new to following one championship so my apologies if there is a flyweight contender that is just like well more deserving has this huge win streak but I just, you know, it's hard to deny that, that that fight wouldn't be pretty big. And if Johnson wins, then you set up an immediate trilogy, and that'll be huge as well. Yeah. I really like Adriano Marais, too, and I want to see him be elevated by association with Mighty Mouse. So, yeah. Um, I just think there's a lot of fun possibilities there. What What do you think? I know you got – so, transparently, I didn't get to see this, but Noah filled me in on the car ride to Columbus, which was nice. But what do you think going forward for Rod Tang? Like, because I know he hinted at oh, he might right. want to transition in MMA. Do you think? Did he hint at anything? They probably didn't interview him. But like, what do you think? Could he still? He's only twenty four. So like, could we still see him make that transition into MMA for one? I, I'm really glad you asked that question because I wanted to kind of address that again. I, and I should have looked it up before this episode. I can't remember for sure. But I, I, I think Rod Tang is not just a one Muay Thai champion, but I believe he's competed in kickboxing as well for them. He's 1-0 in kickboxing and one. Yeah, so he has said, if I remember right, that he would like to be a three-sport champion in mm. one. Okay. So I believe he has interest. He's, as you said, only 24 years old in kickboxing and MMA for one. So I definitely don't think this is the last time we see him in this capacity. Um, but 
I think if for him, he would want, he would prefer to just go straight into like an MMA fight head on rather than doing this kind of hybrid, yeah. you know, big fight thing. Um, I don't think it's the last you see of him for sure. I mean, he's only 24 years old. He's already made such an impact on Muay Thai. There's without a doubt by five years from now, he will have fought MMA again, in my opinion. I like it. And I do think that there's room. I think there's reason to believe he'll do quite well. I know he got submitted here, but I mean, I think that was what everybody kind of expected. He, he, he did a decent job fighting off the hands for a couple minutes, trying to have some play defense, you know, mm-hmm. with the, when he, when he got his back taken. But again, it's, a, it's a guy who's relatively a novice going up against one of the best to ever do it. It's, it's what happens, man. I like it. I like it. Uh, more on that card later as well, but we do have some news to talk about. <laughs> Is it worth talking about? Well, we'll see how Dom feels about this one because Nate Diaz making headlines again. He did on? it. He did it by the simple press of a button and sending a tweet on the Twitter sphere. <laughs> Basically, Nate Diaz has requested his release, Dominic, from the UFC. He said he added Dana White. He added some poor guy named Hunter on Twitter. That's not <laughs> Hunter Campbell that people were going after. Now that guy's name on Twitter is Hunter, in parentheses, not UFC guy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, he might not add Sean Show. I don't know. He he was at Dana and the boys, as yeah. I call him. Yeah. Said, you guys won't give me a fight. I want out. I got things to do. Was putting some emojis of a beach. Perhaps uh, that, that Bellator card in Hawaii is still on his <laughs> mind. So, Dominic, I'm curious. Uh, is there much to take from this? Is, is Nate Diaz serious or... Is this just a, a bit of uh, him kind of trolling uh, the UFC for being slow to get him that fight he wants? I think that's a, the latter there, trolling. Like, yeah, I guess I you know, said that. I guess I kind of ex- kind of revealed how I, I felt by. <laughs> I think it's that. frustration. You know, yeah. like what 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 is the holdup? And specifically, why 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 are we still sitting here? It's about to be April this coming weekend. And we don't have Diaz versus Poirier. I don't. What more do you need to sell a fight than these two going back and forth, agreeing upon mm. everything? I, I don't. And again, we're not in the back office. I realize yeah. it. I fucking wish I was a fly on the wall with the boys because <laughs> I, I don't get it. I think this fight's massive. I, I don't understand what the holdup is. I know it's Nate's last fight on his contract. I know there's weird stuff that goes on when it gets to that instance, but this is Nate Diaz. This is different than some other dude that's a ranked fighter or someone, just someone. This is one of your biggest stars in the company. He clearly wants a big fight against one of the other biggest stars in your company now, Dustin Poirier. This fight needs to happen. I don't understand the holdup. Dustin's frustrated. Nate is clearly frustrated, and uh, he's just he's letting it all out on Twitter in, in a funny way because he's getting a lot of reception from it. But I think it's genuinely like, what the hell's going on? I'm, I want to fight. I'm asking you. I'm begging. I'm pleading. Give me a fight. I don't get it. So I partly agree with you, but I will say that I think Nate is very aware of why the UFC aren't giving him the fight yet. And again, this is all speculation. Some of this, a lot of this does come from Ariel Hawani, I'll admit, where I believe that the UFC want to re-sign Nate Diaz. Mm-hmm. So there's this reluctance to just straight up give him the fight he wants unless they get something in return. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? 
because I don't think they want Nate Diaz to go test his value elsewhere. I think they would like to keep him in-house. He's one of their biggest stars. Um, and, you know, it's just a control, right? I mean, everybody wants that. You, you have a guy like Nate Diaz who maybe – isn't his best days are probably behind him, but he is still good for some big fights. Oh yeah. You know, you have those matchups with Maz Vidal, with Conor McGregor, with Dustin Poirier still out there. That would be three of the biggest fights that the company would ever be able to do. Yeah. Um, and then if he's, if after that, let's say he lost all three of those in a row, well then he, the values lessen to the point where you don't really need him anymore. So they, they that's just the, the, the monopoly or the, that's the politics, I think, being played out behind the scenes. It's very frustrating as a fight fan because yeah. we don't care about that. We just legitimately want these two to fight. Yeah. These two want to fight each other. Yeah. Dana says they want to make that fight happen yeah. because the fans want to see it. Well, obviously, there's a reason why it's not happening then. Yeah. And I think it's still going to end up happening, but I think Nate Diaz is more trolling. I think it's a bit of tongue-in-cheek, like, he is frustrated, but I think it's because, truthfully, I think Nate might legitimately just not be all that interested in fighting anymore. Yeah. I mean, maybe he is truthfully nearing retirement. He's even tweeted out, like, hey, I'm out, peace. Kind of yeah. like the old Conor McGregor retirements yeah. kind of deal. He's been, a, he's been a ball on Twitter lately. But I mean, it's just, this guy, the guy has only fought a couple times in the last, like, five or six years. I mean, yeah. he really, he could, think of that gap between the second Conor McGregor fight and when he came back and fought Anthony Pettis. You're right. It was, I think, around three and a half, four years. Um, I'm sure there was some pay stuff going on with that or whatnot, but I bet a lot of it was just Nate. Just He made a lot of money in a couple years, more than he had made in the previous 10, 15. Yeah, he was competing before that. Yeah. I'm sure there's a part of him that's like, do I really need to keep doing it? I mean, I'm, yeah. I know he wanted a third Connor fight and stuff like that, but he's also a guy who wants to do it on his terms. And Nate Diaz, as great as he is, you know, I'm not sure if all these matchups I mentioned, I don't know if he gets to do it on his terms. Hmm. You know, he's he might be the B-side on all those matchups. I mean, I would say with Dustin, he's bigger than Dustin, but I think, the UFC value Dustin more a little bit right now. So um, there's a bit of Nate wanting to do things his way on his terms. And the UFC don't play by that. Sometimes the other fighter on that matchup ain't going to play by that. They have their demands. It's obviously more complicated than just one guy wanting to fight one guy, but I so wish it wasn't. Why can't it just be simple, Dom? These two want to fight. I still think it's going to happen probably in July or August, but the fact that it wasn't booked already is just so surprising to me, but it it all comes down to this little tug of war being played, I think. I'm going to ask one question, a yes or no, to finish this subject. Do we see, and I'm not even going to say Nate versus Dustin, but do we see a Nate Diaz fight announcement before the end of April? Essentially, we have one month to work with. Before the end of April. Do we see a Nate Diaz fight announcement? Let me think of the time frame. I just said July <laughs> or August. I ooh. Wow, that's a great question. And you know what? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say that this thing might get to mid-May before we get that announcement. But 
once we do, buddy, you best believe we're going to be here to talk about it. <laughs> I, I was going to say no as well, so now we do agree on that. But uh, so it's so unfortunate to agree on that. I hate to agree on that. <laughs> it's just uh, it's a hey, let us know there too because I'm just ready for this to be over. I want that fight. I don't even. Dude, if they do Nate Dustin, Nate Connor trilogy, still a fight I need to see. If we never get to see the Nate and Connor trilogy, now I'm just ranting. <laughs> I feel like that would just be such a missed like, opportunity. Yes, a missed opportunity to never fulfill that trilogy because regardless of their stature and where they are in their careers, that trilogy is always going to make sense. I mean, honestly, it already has kind of lost something at this point. Like it should have happened right so away. Long. So, I mean, if, if if the UFC were adamant about not doing Conor and Floyd Mayweather, which I know was so massive and did so much for Conor's life and just, you know, it was one of the biggest pay-per-views in combat sports history. But if that fight doesn't happen, that trilogy definitely was the next fight, right? I mean, I think, definitely... I think if they do that trilogy immediately, as in their next fight following the rematch, that absolutely smashes ufc 205 when they headline and connor became double champ i think it rivals not beats but rivals connor habib if they would have capitalized on it at that time after the second fight and done it boom trilogy it would be up there probably second best pay-per-view ever yeah you i I would probably agree with you so i still think it's huge now but it it, it's all it just the longer they wait i think the more it loses you know yes i agree um, now some fight announcements because we got a decent amount here, Dominic. Uh, I know a lot of them came and I didn't even recognize <laughs> that they happened. Yeah, so May fourteenth, we had a couple pretty good fights added to the card. Oh. Caitlin Chukagian, she's back. She's still with the UFC. There was some you know <laughs> yeah. talk of it was her last fight was the last fight on her contract. She beat Jennifer Maya via decision for the second time. Um, she's still ranked number two in this division, and she'll be welcoming. Dominic's favorite, Amanda Hebus, to that division, the number nine ranked strawweight. And then also, directly after our main event uh, <laughs> Saturday night, they announced the rebooking of the original main event between Jan Blahovich and Alexander Rakic to headline five rounds that May 14th card. Dominic, obviously, one fight being bigger than the other here, but how do you feel about these additions to May 14th? So, uh, I got to start with my girl, right, Amanda Ebos, because I, I felt like she had a she had a good bounce back win when she beat uh, Verna Jandadoba. Good fight, by the way, yeah. and that was one she needed. She had a long layoff because she was coming off the knockout loss and whatnot. And I still believe in her. I think she's got great potential. She she fought against Paige Van Zandt at Fight Island at 125, but that doesn't count to me. That's not this oh, is. I kind of forgot about that. Well, it was like kind of a short notice type of thing, and yeah. then. But, this is Caitlin Chikagian. This is like the, the the woman that no one can really beat to get to Valentina, but Caitlin can't beat Valentina kind of deal. You know, that's what yeah. we're kind of dealing with here. I, I was shocked. I was shocked when they made this fight. Um, this, I mean, you're, they're really launching Amanda. Because if they she beats really Caitlin Chikagian, there's Valentina's next challenger for a title. Obviously, she's going to fight Taylor Santos and whatnot, but that's what will happen 100%. Uh, I don't think it's a good stylistic matchup on paper, but Amanda's well-rounded. We'll see how it plays out there. I just thought it was interesting. blahovich Rakich, we've given our thoughts on it already, and it just makes sense. I'm glad they were able to salvage it together. It still feels like, um, you know, if Jan wins, he can get back to the title shot. Should Rakich win, he definitely needs to. 
be there for the title shot. So uh, I'm glad they were to rebook that. It does deserve a five-round uh, spotlight. It could be lackluster, but it also could be very fun and exciting. How about UFC 276 on July 2nd, that first of two pay-per-views in July? Casey O'Neill, now ranked number 12, takes on top 10 Jessica I. Well, your your tweeter, your tweeter, your tweet, you sent this fight announcement to me and you said, or maybe I, I don't remember, but you said the UFC hates Jessica I because, <laughs> because Jessica I was supposed to fight Mano Ferro, who we're going to talk about here in a couple minutes. And that was like, wow, for Jessica, you're kind of playing a gatekeeper here against an absolute savage in Ferro. Now she falls out of that fight. But you got to fight Casey O'Neill, and I told Noah in the in the DMs, Casey O'Neill and Mano are racing each other to see who can get to Valentina quicker. Mano has won that race because she just beat Jennifer Maya. We're going to talk about it in a couple minutes, but that's what it feels like to me. So, Casey O'Neill, she beat Roxanne. I feel like she could have bumped up more uh, than Jessica I. I think this is still a favorable matchup for her. But if they want to kind of more so push her a little slower than what they're doing with Ferro and kind of space out their two best prospects right now, then I see the method behind their madness. Agreed. Um, you know, I kind of like doing this. I kind of just like telling you to fight and letting <laughs> you give your thoughts, and I move on. Fair enough. Uh, Alex Pajera. We said after his win over Bruno Silva, it might be time to just kind of throw him into the top of the heap well. and see <laughs> if he can prove with the win there that he can fight Israel Adesanya. Well, yeah. Dominic, he gets a matchup against one of three current middleweights that are ranked number four on the UFC rankings website. I'm sorry, what? That is right, three. Are you <laughs> there's serious? A, there's a three-way tie for number four. So technically, Sean Strickland is he is 4B. <laughs> because yeah, he's 4B. Um, so... Uh, Wait, did I say Pajara's 4B? Anyways, Alex Pajara's fighting number 4B, Sean Strickland. Everybody's favorite Twitter personality. So, Dominic, this is happening July 30th, the second pay-per-view of the month, UFC 277. Mm-hmm. Are you on board with this matchup? Um, funny enough, this got announced when we had just got to Columbus, so it was kind of cool. We were all waiting to get into the arena. And uh, didn't see this one coming, but... We were kind of talking about this when Pajara just won his last fight against Bruno Silva. Especially, I think you were like, I could see him really getting thrown in because they kind of they might want to fast-track him to get to that Adesanya, the rematch, quote-unquote, because they fought in kickboxing. And they put him up against the striker in Strickland. So, on paper, this is still in Pajara's favor. Granted, it's up a big level. Sean Strickland is very good, people. Don't get it twisted. But it's not a crazy grappler. It's not some jujitsu guy. It's a guy that's going to stand and trade with Pajara. So I think if he beats Strickland, there it is. Here's your title shot on a on a silver platter. Essentially, you go three and zero, beat one ranked person. Here's your title fight. That's that's what I think is going to happen. Should he should he beat Sean Strickland? I will just say. Uh, I know I've been kind of not giving. No, I want give your thoughts if you got them. Give them. Well, I. I feel like the first couple fights that we talked about here, your thoughts were essentially mine. That's why I kind of just, you know, just to keep things Fair. efficient instead Fair. of just repeating. <laughs> uh, but this one, I love this fight. I love this fight. I didn't really think 
about it. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I mentioned Pahara being put up against Derek Brunson. No, fuck that. Uh, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. You might be right. Maybe I'm overvaluing Sean Strickland's chances here, but I think this fight is so interesting. Oh, it is. Sean Strickland, say what you want about the guy. Hell, he might even say it for you. But <laughs> he is so good on the feet. He's good. Yeah. And for again, his personality type, which kind of is this like you know, Barstool does that uh rough and rowdy. Yeah, yeah. He kind of has the personality of a guy that would fight for that. And yet he is one of the most technical uh kickboxers in the division. Now, there's a big level in terms of pedigree going from him to Alex Pajara, but in terms of MMA level striking and, you know, just the fact that you do have more than just kickboxing to have to worry about, um, I do think that this is a beautiful matchup. And with a win, I would say Pajara rightfully would be next for Israel Adesanya or Jared Cannonier, depending on what happens there. Um, but yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, I like that Pajara is getting this type of matchup. And actually, I think for Strickland, you know, the UFC are going to be reluctant to put Sean Strickland in a title fight. And you can say that that's not true, but I think it is true. Um, I mean, could you imagine if this guy was fighting Israel Adesanya one of, in one of the bigger pay-per-views of the year and he's just got free reign to kind of oh, yeah. say some of the things that he said before? Yeah. You know, it just, it, again, I know some of it might offend some people. Don't get me wrong. I don't love everything the guy says. But I can't deny that there's not something fascinating about him. If he wins this fight, though, Noah, will he get a title shot? Well, I was going to say I think that if he were to win, I mean, I don't know if he would get one, but I would argue that that this is a big win for him because, I mean, Pajara has a lot of momentum. Everybody seems to think, even though he's technically unranked, that he's kind of like a win away. So it feels like a title eliminator in some ways, but I – Weirdly enough, it feels more like a title eliminator for the unranked guy than the one who's ranked number four dash B. Yeah, four B. Interesting matchup. Yeah, um, and then we got one out in September. Yeah, I've never, so, dude. This is like almost six months in advance. <laughs> yeah, so they announced that Benson Henderson has re-signed with Bellator. There was kind of that thing him and Habib had after his last fight, where they were kind of like, "Hey, shaking hands, you know, kissing <laughs> yeah. babies, and whatnot." <laughs> Um, but instead, he's re-signed with Bellator, likely going to be the last contract of his career. He's still ranked number three, so he's still like up there and coming off a big win in yeah. his last fight. Um, he's going up against Peter Queeley. It's, this card on September 23rd is going to be at Bellator Dublin. They're back. Zombie. Eh, eh. Oh. <laughs> I can't wait for that to be, come back. That's how, the, that's how the song goes. I know, man. I come know. On. It was just... Um, I'm not saying yeah. you are your bad. No, nah, look, I know I didn't hit that. I didn't hit that note, but look. you can hey, you can make up for it in two weeks with Korean Zombie. Okay, look, Practice. guys, guys, let me just say, Peter Queeley, he might be my favorite fighter in Bellator simply for his walkout because <laughs> it's bad. I've never seen a walkout elevate a guy in my eyes so much. I've yet to see the guy fucking win in Bellator, <laughs> but. <laughs> I love it. I the walkout. I love the song "Zombie" by the Cranberries, and that's the crowd just fucking making. Oh, it's just a, good a chef's song. kiss. But Dominic, as far as the matchup, Henderson Queeley in Dublin, could this be pretty big? And I mean, is there some stakes here at this point? 
Yeah. Oh, I think this is going to be the main event. I'm. I think. I'm imagining it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be big. Peter Queeley's going to be big, obviously, because he's from Ireland. The crowd's going to go crazy. Big fight for him, you know. Especially fighting one of the bigger name guys that he has fought, and it's still as important because Henderson's still ranked number three, like you said. So, it's interesting. I'll be curious to see if Benson Henderson will still look good because he did look great in his last win, the one that he really needed. I think. If he would have lost that fight, I don't think we see him fighting again. So that win really did a lot for him and got him this new contract. Big fight. Big fight. Let's move on into the rest. Some more fights from the weekend that we think are worth talking about. Let's start with 1X, Dom. We had a couple champions defend their MMA titles here and defend it successfully. The main event, Angela Lee Gets the second round submission over Stamp Fairtex in what was a barn burner of a fight. Uh, Dominic, I highly recommend for you and mm-hmm. the audience to watch that fight if you can find it anywhere. Hell, guys, I might even tell you to go stream it illegally. But I won't <laughs> oh, because geez. legal reasons <laughs> right. prohibit me from doing so. But seriously, if you can, I don't know if you can buy the pay-per-view or whatnot still mm-hmm. or if you can buy it for just buy it if you can get a discounted version yeah. and just watch that fight this fight was awesome fair text dropped angela lee in round one i mean angela lee hadn't fought in two and a half years for one so there was a lot of questions for me on how she was going to be coming back in here and i do think you saw a little bit of ring rust early or at least a little bit of a you know hesitancy compared to what we've seen out of her previously but Round two, she looked just rejuvenated, ready to go, maybe getting punched in the mouth kind of, you know, woke her up a little mm-hmm. bit. Stamp Fairtex gave her a tough go at it, but once that fight got to the round in round two, Angela Lee was throwing submissions up like nobody's business. And to Fairtex's credit, a lot were defended. But, I mean, there was probably four or five submissions in round two, including a twister at one point. Mm-hmm. No panic taps from Stamp. She held in there, but ultimately Angela Lee got it with, I believe, the rear naked choke. Ten seconds left in round two. Angela Lee, man, she's a stud here. And, then, you know, for the Adam weight division, this is a division that a lot have wanted the UFC to implement. So it's nice when, really, we are watching the best Adam weight fighters in the world here. Um, and they showed out. And this was the fight that was put in the main event. And I kind of questioned it. I was like, wow, you're putting it over Marais and then... Mighty Mouse and Rod Tang, I'm like, okay, we'll see. But it earned it, and it performed as such. And it was a great way to cap off what was such a historic card for one championship. Um, I will also mention Adriano Moraes defending his belt successfully, that flyweight title. This was his second defense, I believe, that uh, win over Mighty Mouse was the first, against Yuya Wakamatsu. Coming in round three, three minutes, 58 seconds in. Um, pretty competitive fight. I mean, Rice, he looked to be just a a bit a bit better. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I don't know how else to really describe it. Like, uh, he he just seemed to be a step ahead. Um, I mentioned not knowing a ton about Wakamatsu coming in. I think he performed adamant or adequately. I thought he was good, a quality challenge. But again, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, man, if if Mighty Mouse wins, I want to see that rematch so bad. Yeah. I think that could be just such a big fight for one. And just for me, it's just for my interest. Um, but Marais looked good here. I still think that guy can be a star for this promotion. I love your thoughts. But one more. Keep feeding me. Because, wait, there's more. A <laughs> fight that I was excited about, then I was like a little laissez-faire about it. 
But Dominic, it was maybe the fight of the night. <laughs> or the moment of the night, maybe, for one. The moment of the morning. Moment of the morning, It was a yeah. long day. Yoshihiro Akiyama at 46 years old. TKO Shinya Aoki. Round two. Aoki just a couple years removed from a title reign in one. But yes, also being like 39 years old in his own right. But Akiyama, man, sexy Yama. He said after the fight he wants to bring sexy back to the fight game. Ooh. So almost leaving the door open for another fight here. Um, I don't know about all that. But again, Dominic, early, I mean, Aoki got the back pretty quickly in round one. And essentially all of round one was Akiyama trying to prevent yeah. uh, hand fighting. I mean, that was really, it was a pretty clear, decisive one, round one for Aoki. But Akiyama was landing some great punches in round two. Shinya Aoki couldn't really handle it. Got dropped. Fight was over. It was an awesome Again, for this card that's celebrating the history of the promotion, you got these two Japanese MMA legends going head-to-head. And Akiyama, man, a moment that you won't forget for years to come. I love it. But let's move back to UFC Columbus, Dominic. We got a we couple got, things. This card, you know, it it compared to UFC London, obviously. not. We, we had a hard... Thing to follow, hard event yeah, to follow. It's one of maybe the best fight night in UFC history. Yeah. This is not that, but I was very pleasantly surprised at how many takeaways I had because um, I try to, you know, I try to be realistic. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, maybe most of this card's gonna suck, but at least I'll be in person, so it'll make it more fun. <laughs> really, most of this card was fun, and there was just a couple fights that really sucked. I mean, that yeah. was really kind of what it, what it came down to. Co-main event, Alexa Grasso. The first submission of her career in a first-round victory over Joanne Wood and Grasso getting two takedowns, I believe. I don't know if she was credited for both, but that means that Dominic has seen (laughs) pretty much... He has seen Joanne Wood get taken down over and over again in his two appearances for UFC, so uh, that still haunts him to this day. But Dominic... I think the bigger story here being the the victory for Alexa Grasso, the boxer, as yes. we were hyping her up to be, showing a little bit more wrinkles to her game. Uh, how much did this performance do for you in terms of uh, maybe how highly you value her moving ahead? I thought it was big. It was a big win for her. She's three and zero at one hundred twenty five pounds against you know really good competition. Uh, you know I know that Joanne Wood when she does get finished it's by sub but i didn't foresee it being against grasso so she showed me grasso that is a new layer to her game and you know moving forward with how good this division is it's something i wanted to see regardless of who it came against and who her opponent was because i know she's going to have the boxing to fall back on depending on whoever the matchup is so i loved it i thought it was a big time performance for her to do it so easily i mean she dominated the the first round uh, and it ended obviously at four minutes in but it was it was all her. It was all her moments on the feet for the small time it was there. And on her, her grappling looked great. She transitioned easily. She got to the back easily. Everything was uh, flawless. Really, it was a perfect performance. And she she's right there, man. She is. Like, especially, to, you know, she's got Mexico behind her, and they're, they keep p- pushing that market. You see the big things that Moreno's done. She's uh, She has a very bright future still in this game in the UFC, Grasso. 
Yeah, she's damn good. And mm-hmm. But I, I guess when it came to this fight, I get it. First submission win, and she did it, made it look pretty easy. So I think for maybe many, including you, you go, okay, this girl has a much more well-rounded game than we want to give credit for because the boxing's always what you go to mm-hmm. with Grasso. I saw a little bit of that, but I, you know, like the way those takedowns kind of happened, it was kind of like Wood throwing a spinning uh, elbow that she kind of gets caught in and they trip over one another. Like the takedowns were a bit awkward. They weren't really mm-hmm. like takedowns as so much as like trips or <laughs> scrambles in a way. Um, but as far as when they were on the ground, I thought Grosso transitioned very well. She did a very good job at just getting that choke secured. Um, but I think, for me, this was more of just a disappointment in Joanne Wood. Now, she was mm-hmm. a big underdog here, and, and I think that's there's something to be said for that. But we know that Joanne Wood is someone that likes to stand and trade and usually is not at her best when she is getting taken down and being held down. And uh, she has fallen into submissions previously. I believe Jennifer Maya's only submission of her career is against uh, Joanne Wood. And, um, you know, for me, this just was like, I, I walked away from this performance going, what do you even do with Joanne Wood now? Like, I'm yeah. assuming she still has interest in fighting. And I don't think that with this loss, she's going to be cut or anything like that. I think the UFC like her. I think she she's a nice piece for this division. She's not too far removed from being in the title picture at one point. But I just kind of go like, I mean, what do you really want to do with her is kind of my question because... You know, this is another first-round loss for her. And this is women's divisions, guys, where over half of their MMA bouts go to distance. And, you know, Joanne Wood is getting stopped in the first round. It's uh, it's something that's uh, – I, 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 I don't know really how, what to say about it, but it's it's not good. Well, I mean, that's a three three in a row now that she's dropped. So is it? it or, well, two of them were first round finishes. Was the yeah, third? just in general, though, like a losing streak. Yeah. You know, to lose three in a row, she's definitely with, especially with all these you know prospects coming in, she could very quickly, uh, in lack of a better term, lose relevance in this division. Yeah. That's really how it feels. I mean, again, Alexa Grasso, I think we'll maybe get a top five next. Maybe a matchup with like Jennifer Maya would make a lot of sense. But for Wood, man, for someone who, you know, I was ready to see her kind of get that shot against Valentina a couple years ago. And now I almost am like, if she was cut, I don't think we'd be missing much right now. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she will, and I don't want her to, of course. Of course. yeah, I mean she's great. She's she's such a you know sweetheart, but yeah. I don't know. I just don't really have like any fight of that interests me for her moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Brian Barbarina Ooh. gets a split decision win over Columbus, Ohio's own Matt Brown, and I'm just gonna say, me and Dominic were not two of the people that booed our winner Brian Barbarina here. So Dominic. Uh, your thoughts on this fight, and maybe if you want to drop a thought on the crowd booing our winner, Barbarina, as well. Awesome fight. Uh, we knew it was going to be just two scrappy, tough, durable guys that have been in there against other tough, scrappy, durable guys, and uh, they delivered. They got the official fight of the night. We we had on this card, the main card, 
we had three boom 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 fights mm-hmm. you know where it's like all right that was fight of the night and then the other one happens like ah well that one's the fight of the night and then this one happened it's like eh, shit well i guess that one's the fight of the night they were so, all surprising well this yeah. one didn't surprise me this was the least surprising to be good yeah but like all three of them was just like oh my god like yeah. these are really good fights yeah great fight so uh, i loved it you know it sucks matt brown couldn't pull out the win uh you know in columbus i did think brian won uh, I, I remember yes, correctly. I scored it for him as well. Uh, two and three, I think. Yeah, because Matt Brown had a like two or three takedowns in the first round. I think I scored rounds two and three for Barbara. We, we thought that this would be fought almost entirely on the feet, but it seemed like Matt Brown, when he was having success, it was the fact that he was getting so many trips and yeah. takedowns himself. Um, that's definitely the big glaring hole in this win for Brian Barbarina's man. He seemed to get taken down way too easy here. Maybe it's just because the expectation is that Matt Brown's not going to take you down, but yeah, he did, and he did it with ease. But Barbarina did seem to get the better of the exchanges on the feet and did seem to kind of hold on to his gas tank a little better than Matt Brown did. I noticed even though, that. Yeah. Even though, let's be honest, the way Matt Brown looked here where he's like, he looks like he's gasping for air and like slowing down, he literally does that in every single fight. It's just his fucking will that keeps him going yeah this this is a very high output very fast-paced fight too there was like no time to breathe except for the minute between rounds as for the crowd i don't like when people boo in general so it did suck like being there and hearing it but what i will say is that if matt brown wasn't from columbus ohio i don't think there's a boo in the whole arena because i think the fight was awesome i think people loved the fight it was a split decision, though. I think they just wanted Matt Brown to win. And that's yeah. why I think the boos came into play. Yeah, I understand the human nature part, right? Like, uh, the, it's easy to just go, well, that's just human nature for you. You got a lot of people that are, at this point, pretty buzzing or drunk. <laughs> and they got a hometown guy that they love. It's a really close fight. You want him to get that victory. It might be the last fight of his career. You don't know. Yeah. And then the other guy gets to win, and you're just like, oh, I didn't like that. Boo. Yeah. But I was ashamed, quite frankly. And, and, you know, Dominic, I think I'm a bit harsher on these type of things maybe than you are, where uh, I have, I just, I get so pissed when people boo. And it, Even when the fight blows, yes. I don't boo. Like no. the, the Nikolaou Dvorak fight was the worst fight on the, well, Actually, a better example is probably the... Uh, the Jacasey and Borshev. Yeah, Jacasey uh, Borshev, where I get it. Jacasey dominated, but did not have a ton of output on the ground. Borshev had nothing for him. Um, crowd booing the shit out of Jacasey, but I was impressed with how Jacasey was able to get that victory. Yeah. And yeah. it was a win he needed, and I hated that people were booing him because... Yeah. Uh, but let me focus here on Barbarina. Barbarina just went to war for three rounds, so... This this is an audience that booed a fight like Nikolau and Dvorak, where for the first three minutes of round one, they did not throw a single strike. Yeah, yeah. But then when you get a fight where there's high output and a lot of strikes thrown and a lot of damage being taken by both these guys, and you still boo, what's that tell you? Yeah. I think overall the crowd was great, and I think it's just – and I think that's kind of the, the dual-edged sword. You get a really – 
really excited crowd, a really a crowd that's very into it. I mean, you saw the ovation for Bruce Buffer, for Herb oh, Dean dude. in the main event. I mean, Herb Dean even had to kind of acknowledge the 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 what he got here. The, well, even the, did you uh, during the prelims, Michael Bisping got up to take a piss, and I yeah. thought. I thought like the the biggest star of Ohio's history came into the building. Like it was great. Yeah. So there's a part that's like, okay, you. It's great that you get a crowd that's yeah. so invested. Yeah. But the 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 negative is that they will do something like that maybe once or twice a night, and it kind yeah. of ugh. well, and that's the thing. Like you know, regardless, like we're never gonna. There's always going to be the booze at these yeah. cards, and it is a shame. It's the you human know. nature. That's yeah. what I said. Like yeah. it's like nothing's going to change it. Yeah. You know, it's not. But Barbarina didn't take it to heart, and I appreciate that. He Great seemed to be well speech. aware. You know, he had a lot of respect for Ohio, which kind of made me more mad. Like if he would have came get on the mic and just started like going off on, <laughs> then maybe yeah, okay, you probably do boo the guy. But he was super respectful of Ohio, of Matt Brown. All he was talking about is how much he loves his family. Can't wait to go back and see him on his farm. Yeah. And then people were booing him even harder. I'm like, man, this crowd is ruthless right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought the school. I thought Brian Barbarino was the proper winner. It was a close fight. Matt Brown gave it everything he had. I wish we could have got to hear from him post fight. Maybe yeah. was this it? Yeah. But uh, I don't think it will be. I think we might see him again actually following that. Uh, yeah, I think so too. Um, the other fight you mentioned in those three fights that were all bangers, Neil Magny mm-hmm. ties GSP's welterweight record for wins with 13, I believe it was. Uh, he gets the split decision win over Max Griffin here, Dominic. Um, any takeaways from this fight that Neil Magny, uh, being that he's a top 10 talent and a guy that's been a hard puzzle to solve, uh, did he show you anything here that might either, I guess, improve or uh, decrease your interest in his fighting future? And I think I'll ask you the same question for our loser here, Max Griffin. I think I was just surprised that uh, Neil struck with Griffin a lot more than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, you know, we're very used to seeing Neil utilize heavy grappling, uh, heavy clinch control up against the fence. Uh, but here he finally used his reach a little bit, uh, but he was getting cracked too on the feet. Don't get me wrong. But uh, yeah, I was just surprised at his willingness to stand and trade with Max, even after, you know, I think he got knocked down in the first round. Was there I a think knockdown? you're right. I think, I think, so. I think Neil Magny got knocked down. Uh, and Max Griffin did what Max Griffin does. He comes out there and he's going to bang. <laughs> he's going to scrap. And uh, he brought it to Neil Magny. I think his stock still goes up after that fight, mm-hmm. even after losing. He was on a three-fight win streak. Uh, going into that fight and if i'm not mistaken noah was his intro song him because it was about himself it was max Payne, and that's what the well, lyrics max, were well max Payne is a is a video game character too oh oh but uh yeah it was all about getting <laughs> knockouts in the ufc uh, and getting what? submissions and oh stuff. was it really yeah yeah so i think i don't know somebody could confirm with me does max griffin also do like some rapping but this song was actually you have to about look that up. Yeah. So I I wasn't really listening to the lyrics, but I did hear like Max Payne. Yeah. And I know Max Payne is like a 
a video game character, mm-hmm. like a like some sort of assassin type or something. So, gotcha. What did you drop? What what happened over my, there? My phone fell, and then it almost yanked my earphones out, and it hurt. But oh, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, we're we're still good to go on. We're good. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but I will just mention for Max Griffin, I thought it was weird that he kind of got put in this fight against a top ten. Yeah, true. And I thought he. I was worried. I was not confident that Neil Magny was going to get that decision win. I say worried because I put money on Neil Magny by decision. Yeah. Um, not because I was necessarily like, you know, not that I don't like Max Griffin. Um, he got the win. I don't know. I, I, I cannot fairly tell you how I scored this fight because I totally had a betting bias the whole time. But uh, I was worried. I'll put it that way. Max Griffin gave him a lot of problems here yeah. on the feet. Yeah. Um, and, Honestly, I walk away going, Max Griffin stocks improved. And, you know, this was big for Neil Magny. I was happy to see him kind of get that record. This is a guy that's never fought for a title, never been a champion, and yet he's remained this relevant for years. And some yeah. people might look at that as like a backhanded compliment, but I don't think so. When guys mm-hmm. like him, you know, Jim Miller, these guys that remain relevant without necessarily reaching the pinnacle, so many of the people don't have that. So many champions – fall hard yeah and you got these guys that just kind of ride that wave for years and years in the sport there's something to be said for that and neil magny in the post fight calling out hamzat chemayev again i know that fight probably will never happen because hamzat chemayev is about to fight gilbert burns if gilbert burns wins then we're talking yeah but um if hamzat wins that fight like i think most are kind of thinking is going to happen and the odds are telling me it's going to happen <laughs> yeah We'll probably never see that fight, but honestly, I will say it kind of fired me up the post fight. I mean, Neil Magny oh, calling him out. Yeah, he'll know, fight anyone, out. man. Respect to Neil Magny for being the only guy that was calling for that matchup, and he has been on record too for months. Yes, yes, and I will also say though that I felt like this was the first time I looked at a Neil Magny fight and went, maybe Neil's lost a little something. Hmm. He fought differently. He yes. used his reach yes. more. And you saw where that gave him some improvements or benefits, but also where mm-hmm. he got cracked a decent amount. But I felt like he should have had a, a less troubled time with someone of Max Griffin's caliber. Mm-hmm. I mean, this seems like the prototypical opponent for him to do the clinch heavy yeah. game playing against. Yeah. A guy with heavy hands, but you out you outsize him. You're stronger than him, at least in terms of your... Um, I guess grasp. Uh, it seemed like a tailor-made matchup for that, and once the, that did happen in the later rounds, uh, that was when Griffin would kind of didn't seem to give a lot of fight back, whether to preserve some energy or whatnot. Um, Neil had a lot of success. I just walked away going, okay, maybe age is starting to catch up to Neil Magny just a little bit. He still got a lot left, but I, I definitely think something to keep uh, an eye on. It was something that was just the first time where I kind of went, okay. We're not necessarily seeing the best of Neil Magny anymore. And maybe yeah. for others it was the Michael Chiesa fight, but like for me it was here where I was like, oh, okay, maybe he is like just taking – maybe it's a slight step, but it's a step backwards. Yeah, I like it. Um, on the prelims, and, uh, you know, hey, we got to talk about how really – the prelims were a bit hard for us to kind of like keep our full – Yes. interest in or our full eyes on because we were at that hospitality event where we were meeting the heavyweight goat, yeah. Cody Garbrandt, AJ Dobson. So because of that, we kind of had the 
watch it on TV. We were trying. I mean, but they made some fights a little hit or miss. Yeah. This yeah. was one of them. Um, I, I went back and watched it afterwards. I'm not sure. Did if did you go back? Yeah, and saw, watch yep. it? Yeah, saw. So Chris Gutierrez, the guy me and Dominic, we've bet on him, <laughs> so we cashed big on this one. He was an underdog here. TKO's Donna Bacharel. Donna was a guy who had three straight first-round finishes that a lot of people were um, kind of slowly starting to build up here. Uh, but Gutierrez, a tough guy, yes. gets a TKO in round two. And with, I mean, a great, mm-hmm. great highlight reel finish. Dominic, um, it didn't come easy, but he got the win nonetheless. Yeah, I mean, that's Gutierrez, right? That's how he does it. He's so durable, man. And to to be willing to be in there and stand and bang well, with Donna is, is, is ballsy. But it paid off for him. That right hand, that, ooh, it was so nice and crisp. So he got the performance bonus as a result of it. Uh, Gutierrez, he's going to be in fights like this. He's going to be in scraps. Uh, he's durable. He's tough. But he's still relatively young. And uh, he, I'd like to see kind of what could come next for him. To, to get a big win like this against a guy that's been starching people, 3-0 and in the UFC, uh, with, you know, some momentum, and he halts that. What can we kind of see here from Gutierrez next? That's what I'm intrigued by. Yeah, I really am because I didn't see him getting a finish here. I thought Donna was <laughs> just the no. I thought Donna was the one with the heavy hands and Gutierrez going to have to use that grit, that that durability, that um pr- the fact that he can go the distance and, yes. he, and fight at a high level. I thought he was really going to have to dig deep to get this win, but I really thought he was going to do it. Instead, he went in there and put him out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And did it in a and did it in highlight real fashion. Got that 50k bonus from it. Uh, this was a big night for Gutierrez, and um, you know, again, I don't know what's next because probably, you know, he's still probably a ways away from yeah. the top 15 or whatever. Yeah. But uh, definitely some guy that you're going to keep an eye on moving forward. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finally, Mano Fidoro gets the unanimous decision win over Jennifer Maya. The scorecards would tell you. That this was one sided, thirty twenty seven across the board, but Dominic uh, Jennifer Maya did give her something here. This was a competitive bout. Yes, it was. Mano it was. won every round, and deservedly so, and showed that she is a problem in this division. But when I when I'll just be frank with you, when I got done with this fight, my immediate thought was to be disappointed. And Manu's performance only because I guess I have maybe underestimated Jennifer Maya. Mm-hmm. I felt like Jennifer Maya, despite the fact that yes, she's ranked number four in the division, she's fought for the title. I don't consider her of that caliber, even though she's technically done it. Yeah. And especially if a fight were to be fought on the feet for the entirety, I thought Manu would just kind of piece her up. I thought she was that much better. Mm-hmm. But Jennifer Maya had a lot of moments here. was very competitive, held in there. She was always a step behind, but never out of the fight. And I think maybe now that I've kind of had some time to digest it, I'm not necessarily disappointed in Mano's performance. I just think Jennifer Maya might have just been more game than I realized. But I still can't help... But, you know, I thought with a win here, Mano, if she did it in a certain fashion, I might have been ready to go, okay, she gets the winner of Valentina De Los Santos. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> but now I'm not quite sure I can say that, Dominic. I don't think I can. 
I, I would what I really would have loved to have seen next was her versus uh, Andrade. However, yes. Andrade yeah. is going to fight Amanda Lemos. I know. Or Lemos. So maybe she gets the loser of that title fight, um, especially if Taylor Santos were to lose. But then again, the UFC, if Taylor Santos gets smashed by Valentina, why would you put her up against Mano Firo? Because then if she beats Mano, yeah. you're not going to run that fight back a second time. So why, you know, why risk losing another contender? Yeah. So technically, Manu might be in the driver's seat. She might not even have to fight again to get a title shot. But I think that would be doing her a disservice at this point if they did that. She needs one more. She does need one more. What I thought was interesting, though, and I think I think it is more of a credit to Maya. I think she's just tough. She's gritty. She's going to bring the fight. She likes being in you know scrappy fights. But Manu uh, grappled and showed us some wrestling, yeah. some wrestling. And I did not expect that from someone that's known to be so good on the feet and with that karate, you know, style. So that was interesting, especially to do it against Maya. But, uh, yeah, she needs one more. It was a huge win. And I'm looking at the rankings, and I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Because now even Caitlin Jukakian is fighting Hibas, or else I would have said that should be next because that's a really actually a fun, interesting fight. There's two people. There's Vivian Ararujo, who's number six, relatively still – promising in this division in terms of getting to a title fight or there's Lauren Murphy. Neither one are great, but if we're saying she needs one more, I think a win over either one, then we can say, all right, you're five and zero in the UFC. Here's your title fight. Well, those two, you probably do Arayujo because uh, Lauren Murphy's fighting Misha Tate, right? Thank you. There you go. We That's already cleared funny. it then because literally every one of these women above Arujo are booked. So can I throw you, you an out of the, an out of the box? Of course. Uh, option. Uh, just because I, I saw this as well, and I was like, ah, yeah, I guess you could do Vivian, but, like, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, what's a fun fight? What's a fight I would want to see? Dominic, we're still waiting to hear, when's Tatiana Suarez coming back? And when she does, put her up against Mano Fidero. Tell me that wouldn't be a banger of a fight. Yes, I know. What a long layoff it's been for Tatiana. You know, does she need time to kind of recoup get her feet wet, get right back in there. You know, does she need a, a bit of a tune-up in, in some ways? Uh, but I say fuck that. I think Tatiana Suarez is one of the best in the world. She wants to prove it in a new weight class at 125 pounds. I say you go right ahead and put her in that top five range. Mano Firo versus Tatiana Suarez. Give me it. Oh, Noah, 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 Noah. You struck a chord right there. If you're, if you're, if you're bringing up Tantiana Suarez to me on this show with a potential fight, I'm signing off. And, and honestly, Dom, tell me we would not be so stoked for that to be a title eliminator. No, do you know how badly I want to see Tatiana back in the cage? So badly. And so just badly. just the matchup. Mano Firo, a great striker who's showing improving defense. Tatiana Suarez, the female Habib. Habib. I mean, that's a matchup for... For, I mean, that's a really underrated matchup. Honestly, I, I'm i going to give myself a pat on the back. I am. Oh, I'm going to say, I'm going to put my, I'm going to dig in here and say that is the best fight I've ever booked on this show that is not actually booked, but that I just booked myself. I love it. I, um, do it. Do it. <laughs> Dana, the boys. Here we are. Dana, you can have this one on me. All right. Mm. Next time it might cost you, though. Yeah. Powerhead. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could pay me in Howlerhead whiskey. Yeah. Even though Dana, actually, you do, uh, you owe me because I'm disappointed that you were not at UFC Columbus. Instead, he was hanging out with Kid Rock and the Nelk Boys in Nashville. <laughs> he was, he was having, he was having a Howlerhead signing in Nashville. Hey. Like, okay. Yeah, we're cool too. Anyway, anyways, we're done. <laughs> that is the end. You guys don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. The UFC or MMA weekend recap. Uh, Again, no preview for this Friday because there's no major MMA events. We're getting a break. It's been a grind, huh? Yeah, we have been grinding for a while, man. It's kind of a welcome to just a little... Yeah, you know, week off. I was surprised. Like once again, when the UFC takes a week off, why does it seem everybody else Every, just does too? Yes, dude. Like that's their time to shine. What are Bellator, you doing? why are you not having an event? Yeah. Why is there no LFA or Cage Warriors or uh, why is it the PFL starting, starting their season? Yes, <laughs> I don't know. I know. There's why aren't we more. running these companies? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We have business degrees. We can do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but no, it's it is welcomed to just kind of you know. We'll put out the vlog, which still takes yeah. work, of course. So be sure to check that out. Um, you know, give us some feedback. We'd love to do a vlog like that in the future. We'd love to do. Oh, I had a know, blast doing Dominic, that. especially out of the two of us, he's definitely been the guy that has been more interested in kind of trying some of this content, new content mm-hmm. that doesn't fit in what we've been doing up to this point. You know, right. We have this podcast. We have a betting show. Um, we have clips for the podcast. But, you know, for me, I love, like, I feel like my focus has been just trying to find ways to improve those. Mm-hmm. And I love that your focus has been, like, not on, not that you're not doing that, but that you also yeah. have a, you have an eye on what's some other things we can do that's yeah. outside the box, that's a little different to try to expand our reach a little bit. A vlog, you know. That's top. People love vlogs, right? Yeah, I love vlogs. Yeah, so uh, make sure to check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, And we, after that, we'll be back, I guess, the following Friday. Or Thursday, Mm -hmm. Thursday. excuse me. So the following Thursday will be the preview for the weekend. UFC 273. I'm sure there's more than that. I think Bellator has an event that weekend. I think they're back. Um, I'll have to look. I, I usually at the start of the month, I usually map out kind of what events yeah. are happening. So I'm a little hazy right now because we're in the middle, you know, in between. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll be back then. So uh, until then, guys, you know, stay safe out there. Of course. Uh, have a good couple weeks. Have a good week off. Mm-hmm. Go out and get some sunshine. Hopefully, it'll be I nice hope. weather for that weekend. But uh, Dominic, send us out of here. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Diesel14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at BAJMMA. Blah. I fucked it up. <laughs> at BAJ underscore MMA podcast. We posted some photos from our weekend with our friends and whatnot with the fighters. Go show that some love. And again, Friday, be ready. We'll kind of promote it throughout the week but the vlog's coming out hope you guys enjoy it noah let's get out of here yeah my mom and sister are yelling out there i'm glad <laughs> to decide to yell and when they talk but uh, uh you guys know where to find me right it's at nt baker underscore on twitter <laughs> instagram uh they the you know the bio the link the link the, tree the, list the of links the gooba the gooba gabba <laughs> uh the twitter the instagram the youtube channel <laughs> 
Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcast. It's all on there, all right? Uh. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> there's also a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. Shout, Shout out. out. They are the anchor that that holds us in place. Ooh, new tagline. Um, yeah, so uh, there's a couple Google Gavas on there. <laughs> Uh, first, if you want to leave a voice message and tell us to gooba gaba ourselves, then you can do that there. Oh boy. Uh, secondly, if you would like to uh, give us some money, yeah, if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do it there as well. All that money, I promise, I promise you guys, it goes right back to the podcast. We will not go spend it at a strip club or on bets <laughs> for our MMA show. I promise, I promise. You can trust me. Look at me. I'm just a guy, right? That's true. You're a trustworthy guy. But that's it. We're out. We'll see you guys on the blog. Oh, yeah.